This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Hey, Camp Pros. Welcome back to Season 2 of the Camp Hacker Podcast. My friends, we are back, and we are excited for another full season of the Camp Hacker Podcast. And a full season, that means you're going to get a new podcast every two weeks. Just like the Day Camp Pod, just like Camp Code, we're going to be getting those new episodes out there to help you be better at what you do. And that's changing lives because you are a camp pro. So get ready. Every two weeks, you're going to hear from the Camp Hacker Podcast. Dan, Joe, Gab, and Travis, they are ready to share, and we are ready for you. So get ready to get into it as well. I want to give you a quick note. If you're listening in the fall of 2019, we are putting out our first ever Go Camp Pro podcast listener survey. So we want to get to know you, our listeners, just a little bit better. It'll help us make sure we're delivering the best podcast content that we can, and it will help us reach out to relevant camp-focused advertisers that want to be a part of supporting the good work that our podcast hosts do. So we would love to hear your opinion and just get to know a little bit more about you. It's not creepy, we promise. We just want to get to know you a bit better. And in return for filling out that survey, we want to enter you into a draw to win one free-for-life subscription to CampMavericks.com. CampMavericks.com is a place for Camp Mavericks, the kind of folks who are willing to pay a small annual fee to have the space where they can share ideas, have a great app for their phones, and get to enjoy lots of extra member benefits. You can think of it like the Summer Camp Professionals Facebook group, but it's a little smaller, the content's a little more curated, and you're going to be seeing some features like roundtables, book clubs, all different things that you can't really do on Facebook when it gets lost in the mix of 16,000 awesome camp people. So if you're interested in that, check out CampMavericks.com for more information, or you can fill out the survey by October 15th and we'll enter you into a draw to win a free membership for life. To find the survey, you can click the link in the show notes or head over to gocamp.pro forward slash pod survey. That's gocamp.pro forward slash p-o-d-s-u-r-v-e-y. So as per usual... Good day and welcome to the podcast. This is Camp Hacker episode 113, recorded on the 17th of September, 2019. On today's show, lessons learned from the summer of 2019. Hello, Camp Pros, and welcome to the Camp Hacker Podcast. My name is Travis Allison. I'm a summer camp marketing and strategy consultant, and I help camps translate what they do so that more families insist on sending their kids to summer camp. It is our pleasure to be back again today, and I would love for my co-hosts to start to introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Dan Weir, and I have over 20 years of camping experience in YMCA camping, focusing on overnight and day camps, and I work for the YMCA of Long Island, developing their day camps across the island. And my name is Gabrielle Rail, and I'm one of the camp directors at Camp Waro. Camp Waro is an all-girls camp situated in the Laurentian Mountains in Quebec, and we focus on creating a positive female environment. And my name is Joe Richards, and I'm the executive director at Pierce Williams, which is a summer camp and year-round retreat facility. And we are located in Fingal, Ontario, sort of halfway between Detroit and Toronto. And this was uh, this was my 15th summer at at Pierce Williams, so we just finished another great summer. 
Awesome. And I would like to welcome everybody back. Um, it's such a pleasure to have uh, the three of you with me again. Um, so nice that everybody was able to commit for another year. This our ninth season of, uh, of the Camp Hacker podcast. And uh, we're really excited for this year. We've got some, lo- lots of cool things happening. Um, lots of things going on that uh, we're really excited for this year, including the fact that we're going to be much more regular in, in um and putting out shows to you. So it's been our pleasure to bring on Matt, who's always been our producer and editor as the executive producer of podcasting. And he's got us um, helping us getting all of these things more organized so we can be in your ears more regularly. So we're grateful to have... Matt's like our fiber. He's like our fiber. He keeps us regular. (laughs) Yes, there. (laughs) There you go. Uh, and so we thought a good way to, to start off the, the new season and bring us back on, on task is focus back on the podcast and talk about the lessons that we learned from the summer of 2019. And, um, it, and so we're going to dive into that in some depth. We're going to explore that as we always do. But I thought that we should also acknowledge that, um, that we've had some big changes amongst the four of us as well. And Dan, you're coming to us from a totally different room than usual. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I just wrapped up my 23rd summer working for Frost Valley YMCA, which was an overnight camp in the Catskills about two hours from Manhattan. And my family needed to be closer to family. So we relocated to Long Island and I've joined the YMCA of Long Island team. And I uh, now basically develop all their camp programs. So they have six facilities and I bounce around from facility to facility working with them. And um, yeah, I'm excited to be part of this team and excited to still be in the industry. And it's great. Yep. And we're grateful that you're still able to podcast with us. So that's pretty super cool. Okay, so thinking about the lessons learned from this past summer, um, Joe, I want to wonder if you could start us off, please. What were some of the things that you, as a veteran camp director, learned this summer? I learned that one of the one of the biggest things I learned is that we don't stress enough to young staff how important difficult conversations are to success mm. at camp. The idea that um, when somebody needs that talk, you need to have that talk, frankly. Um, I think that we have a, a culture, not here at Pierce, but a culture generally um, where um, people are afraid to say what they mean and or don't know how to say what they mean without hurting other people's feelings. Right. And, and I've, I understand that what, we say sometimes in those difficult conversations is going to hurt other people and it is not part of um, helping them um, feel great with their self-esteem. So be it. Life goes on. The lessons we need to learn don't always come to us in a, in a gift bag that smells nice, right? Like you need to have those hard conversations. And I think that was a really important lesson to me is how, is that I need to train um, all levels below me in those difficult conversations and, and potentially um, kick, kick people in the butt to have those conversations because it can come back to bite us. Mm -hmm. um, And it doesn't. And the funny thing is this summer, it doesn't matter how great you are at your job. If you don't buy into our culture, I don't want you right. I don't want you representing us and I don't want, um, those things to to really play into um, into our culture because if you even if you're amazing at what you do to the public 
but internally you're talking crap about us or you your your internal beliefs it it's going to come out it's like you're not smiling on the phone people mm. people can just sense that you're not smiling on the phone right <laughs> and so those difficult conversations that was one of my um one of my biggest takeaways from this summer is how to mm-hmm. better train our our younger staff on how to have those conversations um, with other staff, with campers. I, I, it's a different, uh, a different skill, but um, yeah. And Joe, have you started to make any notes on what sort of things you will be with the training will look like? I, I haven't started to make notes. I, I've made notes about other training things, but this is one of those. Um, I, what I have done is I have. I have three conferences coming up where I'm, I've proposed that this is the session I lead for camping mm. pros. And so this is not for those zero to five year camp directors. This is more for those six years plus, right? The ACA national just closed their, um, their application process. And I, I'm presenting this at, um, at the Ontario student leadership uh, work or the Ontario student leadership conference in Niagara Falls in November. And I just, so I haven't written notes down um, specifically about our situation, but I have, I do have an Evernote that just goes over all of the things that I, you know, removing the, removing people who create drama and um, going over why, even though you're maybe super amazing, it is, if you don't believe in what we do, right? You're not going to long-term be a good fit for us. So I have started making some notes, I suppose. Great. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Gab, I know you had a boring summer at Waro. Uh, were there any lessons that came out of it? Yeah. Uh, uh, Travis is referring to that. We, we have, um, we have our, our, our leadership team, of course, but then we also have our support team for our leadership team. And on that team were four people. And out of the four, for a period of slightly around two weeks near the end of camp, we lost out of the four, three. So I'm the one that um, was able to stay on. Um, Jackie was fine, but she fell ill. And our two other support leadership team members had external issues that happened just you know, serendipitously uh, 48 hours from each other. So they had to also um, leave our team. And so um, it was me and our young leadership team um, running camp. And, um, and it was fun. It was funny. Now I'm looking at back at it, but it was, what was funny about it was that those other three individuals, um, um, I think they realized, I think they were like the moms and I'm the dad. And it was like with my leadership team, it was like my leadership team was left alone with dad in the sense of they were like, well, who's going to braid my hair? And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe one of your sisters can. And what are we going to eat tonight? Maybe we should order pizza. So, you know, where do we find these documents on, um, on Google? Uh, what, you know, what should we do here? And um, they, I think they started looking and saying, oh God, you always said you didn't know this part of the job, but you really don't know this part of the job. So the little panic um, that they had when they realized they're home, home alone with dad, not to put dads under the bus, just as a funny analogy. But, mm-hmm. um, but so, so in, in that sense, um, you know, I had to reassure them. One, I told them that I trained their, you know, other, the other two support leadership team members and they're amazing. Um, and one of the things that I bring to the table is I may not know exactly how to do things, but I'm very good at guiding people on how to get things done and helping people figure things out and rebuilding that trust with them. Um, 
but it was very, very late nights for myself and very early mornings. So it was, it was quite exhausting. And I think that one of the things that I sometimes, I, and I'm always shocked that I'm shocked about this, but I, sometimes I, I, I come into camp thinking I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I know when I have that thought in my head, I said, don't think that because you're going to camp is going to teach you a lesson. And inevitably camp <laughs> always, I humbly learn that lesson that I don't know always how to do what I have to do. And one of the things that I feel very confident in is um, assessing the patterns in my team and where we're going and how to redirect the boat and um, I think when, when I lost those three people, I really felt like I needed to do all of this alone. I needed to figure out what the patterns were. I needed to figure out what to say to the staff. I needed to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, um, and that just made things slightly worse. And then I calmed down and I started creating many committees, not just with my leadership team, but with my staff. I had you know, um, staff members that had been with me for a while that were great staff members, gave them the tools that they needed to run these committees, get the information from the staff, um, and then implement certain programs or, or things that staff needed, such as help with paperwork or even staff morale, and, and start branching, branching that out. And that's what I do naturally, but I think under panic, sometimes we do what we think we're supposed to do instead yeah. of what we're necessarily good at. And yeah. Um, but I do know that I constantly think I know what the pulse of our, our, our next generation, just because we have the privilege of seeing our campers grow up. So we see where they're coming from and, um, and it's not true. It's, I have to keep, um, the the pulse is actually what's right now, right in front of me. And, uh, four, five years ago, four years ago, I did this exercise for our staff to, have an experience of no cell phones because our staff are allowed to have their cell phones at nighttime in their cabins um, or in our staff lounge. But four or five years ago, we wanted to do this sort of practice of, you know, tech free uh, during staff training. And I put out um, four buckets, one that said, um, um, you know, I'm not ready yet to give my cell phone back. So they just signed their name. The other Mm -hmm. one was uh, 12 hours. The, the other one was 24 and then the last one was um, 72 and the majority of the staff members put it into the 72 hour bucket. That was what they were excited to do that. And so I figured this year I'll do the same thing. And I was so shocked to see that almost everybody put it into the, I'm not ready yet. Maybe one person put it into the 12 hours. And so in my head, I thought, I know where, where our staff is coming from. And I, I realized the pulse is actually what's happening right now. What happened 12 months ago doesn't mean anything. Um, so just to try, to try to not always rely on what you already knew. Try to learn from, like, really see what's happening right in front of you and get the pulse from your staff, not from what you think they need. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Gab. Yeah, one question that that I wonder about is: uh, Do like is there stuff that you would do next year in case you lose some of those major supports? Like, is there is there like you know is there anything you can do to have a binder to pull off the shelf to say this is what this person does, and here's what we need to check for you know, first thing while we get our, take a breath and get ourselves together? Yeah, I think, so everything, 
it, it was all there. Binders were, binders were there. Everything okay. was, was all there. And that's because for the past five years, we've been really, really working hard at creating those um, logistics, putting them in, in Google Docs. And so that is really all there. We have a master calendar on every job on camp, what is supposed to happen that day. And awesome. it, it's, it's awesome. all there. Um, it's very exciting. I cannot obviously take any credit for that. That really goes to one of our staff members, Heidi Zuchkut, um, who is wonderful at those things and has been really pushing us to do that. So everything is there. And I think that um, once I calmed down and I realized everything is there, the staff is great. They're solid. Um, we were good. It was, it was, it was absolutely fine. Um, we lost three of our head people and we were fine. And I think that um, I wouldn't want to go through that again. But when we debriefed that, I think our staff realized they were stronger than, than yeah. they thought they were and yeah. that they were trained um, and that it's not just training of this summer, which they were, but it was also training of past years and just how we're addressing our training. So it, in, in the end, it was, it was great. And it really showed that that's what we need to keep doing. But if we hadn't started that five years ago, yes. we would have been in a much, much different state. Right. Um, but there was, you know, just like sort of that white um, fear that sort of yeah. went over yeah. all of us, a, you know, blind, a little blind, <laughs> blind moment, but we calmed down and, and went forward. And I think for them, when they were just asking me verbally, questions I said you know I don't know this information we need to like stop pause and, and look for how we can figure this out and you need to rely on each other to do so but right. um, um, it was very good for them and it was it's good amazing. for them to work with me <laughs> it's amazing Gab that when when staff leave and what your staff sound like is this idea of mind like water that David Allen talks about and and various martial arts talk about if your staff are like that, they will fill in when somebody leaves without, um, um, without thinking about it. Because oftentimes if it's a difficult leave, right, somebody had to go because they sucked, the other staff actually have more energy because they're not there. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And these are, these are three people that are very, very loved. Um, they have a really calming presence and they, they know how to do, they, they do their bleep well, like they know how to do what they do so, so well. And Jackie is a very, very, very strong presence within our organization. And she had to miss our um, closing ceremonies, which we've been doing for nine. She has not, but Camp yeah. has been doing for 98 years. And so how did, you know, just addressing that and how do we make that uh, in a way? So we didn't try to emulate Jackie. We asked one of our staff members who's actually quite funny um, Emily Trudeau to to do the reading parts because there's no way I was going to do the reading parts. I'm dyslexic and that would have just not have gone over great. But um, that would have made it funny though. That would have made it quite hilarious. Um, <laughs> so we we shifted it, but but basically it, it was what our motto is 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 not that camp is about this one person or these two mm -hmm. people. It's mm -hmm. about our community and and you know we're going to be okay and we can we can do this. But definitely the work that we did behind the scene for the past couple of years was really a support and then the training yeah. that our staff had was also wonderful. Yeah, it's stunning the amount of preparation that Waro has done in the last little while to be awesome at everything, but great this situation where everything fell apart so fast or not fell apart. There were so many bumps to the system so quickly 
that uh, that's a great. It sounds like it's the idea we have here at Pierce of um, the triple D's uh, departure, um, detour or death, right? So are you ready for somebody for one of those three things to happen? And what we've implemented for our full-time staff is just a Google form for processes that happen at camp, because sometimes it's not covered in that binder, right? Like what mm. we do isn't covered the process for how cabin photos are sent to the printer for Christmas, right? So the, the process for how social media is done. And, and so the Google form allows you to put in the steps and then it just gets, it populates into a spreadsheet for us. Um, that's what we're trying. It, we're not ultra successful yet, but yeah. we have lots of more processes than we did when we started that. Yeah. And it's the bit by bit piece. You know, you're, I think, I think it was really intimidating when we started doing this. And I said five years ago, it has been 10 years, but we've really been making it consistent over the past five years. But it just seems like such a mountain that's impossible to climb. And if you just keep doing those documents and you keep filling them out and you keep putting in the processes, and then you're, of course, passing that on to the next year and um, making sure that people are using those um, pieces, um, that's been what so now we're at this place where it's, it's, it's getting close to being almost, you know, set up, which is right. so yeah. useful. That's awesome. Dan, I, um, I think we'll be really interested to talk to you about what your job is going, is going forward. And, and some of this process stuff, I think is going to be really interesting to hear how, what's in place and what's the stuff you're going to be working on at the new job. But I'd love to hear about last summer, how the summer was at Frost Valley and what have been your big takeaways from your season as a camp director? Yeah, no, I have a few. Um, so Frost Valley, um, one of the things that did uh, this past year was join a cohort for LGBTQ. Um, so uh, Y of the USA, YMCA of the USA, basically uh, has a few different uh, sections where they're trying to innovate. Um, we were part of one of diversity and inclusion, and now um, we, uh, we were part of one uh, this past year of, for LGBTQ. And uh, for years, uh, you know, with our mission, the last two words of it was for all. And we were resting on this. Um, so whenever we talked about including people, we said, of course we include people. We, we're for all, you know. Um, and what we learned through this cohort is that it's really about visibility. So um, we actually hung the pride flags all summer long. And um, for us, you know, we serve the New York market, which some people might label as more progressive, but it's not necessarily. And um, it should not have felt, or I should not be saying it was a risk, um, but to some it felt like it was a risk doing that. And it paid off really well. Um, it actually became a photo shoot um, <laughs> when parents were dropping their kids off. And we had families taking their picture in front of it and later tagging on social media how proud they were of their camp. Um, we had more kids that came forward about anything regarding their gender um, right off the bat instead of waiting six hours, 12 hours. Um, we had more people open about who they were. We heard from people that um, do not fall in LGBTQ that they felt more comfortable as well too. You know, and for me, um, uh, being cisgender, being straight, um, these are things I never have to think about every day. Uh, but just having the pride flag up um, and also having um, gender pronoun pins. Um, and so staff could wear that if they wanted to. Um, I wore my he, him, his all summer long um, as just recognizing and making sure people saw that this is something that um, we are doing our best to make sure that everybody knows who people want to be and who they are. And, um, 
it was funny. It led to a few conversations with kids. Um, it led to a few conversations with families, but overwhelmingly positive feedback, overwhelmingly reinforcing who we are. And so, um, you know, sometimes I, uh, I worked at Frost Valley for 23 years. Uh, it was my ninth summer in the role. You become complacent or you could become uh, making excuses and saying, this is, this, oh, people know who we are. Um, and it was refreshing to, to take a step outward and to put ourselves out there and for it to pay off so well in terms of positive feedback, um, people feeling more comfortable, kids having better camp experiences, um, just reinforcing the brand of who we are as well, too. So that was really important for me. Um, uh, mental health, um, we reinforced our mental health services. We actually doubled the amount of positions we had. We had uh, two camp coaches. Uh, the summer before, we had one camp coach. So a camp coach uh, is basically just uh, uh, someone that has expertise in mental health. And we actually had doubled the amount of mental health issues come forward. So um, the summer before, um, uh, we had about 70 issues come forward. We had about 140 issues come forward. Wow. And we were able to get children real help. So um, an easy story uh, to share is uh, you know, we had a 10-year-old that, uh, 10-year-old boy that was holding in his depression and apparently been holding in for six months and had not shared it with his family and was actually shared it with us. And we were able to call home and able to kind of connect the dots with home. And I had a really great um, meeting with the mother and the mother was just so grateful that the child was able to open up mm-hmm. and they were able to get the child in some counseling at home as well too. So I think um, when I think about camp, um, you know, we're only seeing kid, children for a part of, part of their year, but the effect that we have on their life going forward is um, pretty incredible. Uh, and I just uh, encourage everybody to take mental health seriously. I know we talk about mental health with staff because that affects people dropping out, but the mental health of your camper should be a priority as well, too. And then um, third lesson I learned, uh, juuling uh, is stronger than ever. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, asked the way to make kids to go home because of uh, using their jewels at camp. Um, uh, it's very funny to see parents' opinions on juuling. Um, it is illegal in New York state for a child to use a jewel as someone under the age of 18 to use it. Um, but some parents felt like because it was a safer alternative than, um, cigarettes that that should not hold the same rules. Um, and now in the past several weeks, we're seeing in the States at least that, uh, it's not, um, you know, it's all these news stories kind of broke after the summer. Um, but, um, yeah, juuling is very strong and, uh, the flavors are ridiculous. And I like literally, after the summer, threw out about a dozen jewels, and um, yeah, it, it was it was quite a bit. Um, so that that was the third lesson. My fourth lesson was just kind of reinforcing what um, uh, Joe and, and Gab are saying. I'm just um, explicit in training and just explicit in um, in talking with people. Um, uh, I would say, uh, you know, 15 years ago. 20 years ago, I was doing staff training. If you were too explicit, it almost came off as condescending. Mm. And now mm. um, being explicit is actually being nurturing and caring. And right. um, explicit just means spelling out every little detail and just asking them, hey, do you know this? Do you want me to go over this with you? And, and making sure everything from like just applying sunscreen to um, how to have those difficult conversations Joe was, was talking about. But um, yeah, I just, uh, it's, it's very funny. You know, like I, I look at, this generation coming in as some, a group that's very independent thinkers, very forward thinking, but um, they still need explicit instruction and they shouldn't take anything for granted in terms of knowledge. Um, they are extremely knowledge. They're educating me on, on terminology and, and the ways to go forward. At the same point in time, I'm educating them on how to put sunscreen on properly. So um, yeah. Right. Um, but yeah. Right. That's a funny, um, it's a funny 
and and a natural promotion for Gab's next Camp Code show, uh, which is going to be on things that well, I forget what the wording is, Gab, but things that we didn't think we'd have to teach. Um, right. And there are some crazy stories yep. <laughs> from um, all of the Go Camp Pro crew of things that they've heard of or things that they've had to teach that they never thought they'd have to teach staff. Mm-hmm. Um, so look forward to the first episode of the Kipco podcast that's coming out because it's going to deal with that very specific topic. Mm-hmm. I just want to build a bit on what Dan said about staff and teaching them. The, the challenge is they do come in more knowledgeable, but they come in less willing to try things that they don't know how to do. Right. Right. And so one of the one of the first things I often do with the leadership team when they come in in May is I make them hook up their own computer printer um, because it's not Wi-Fi enabled. It's not anything. And they're like, well, what are the cables? And I'm like, just go do it. There's an instruction manual. Make make it happen. Um, But that's the one thing I want to I don't know how you train staff on trying things they don't know how to do because they're afraid to fail. And I'm Mm -hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Show me that you can fail, and then we'll move forward with how to how to change that tire. Right, changing a tire might be a difficult one because you can drop a car on yourself. But you know, it, that is um, the thing I hear the most about um, from the people that I've worked with or that have worked for me is that they felt comfortable to fail. It took a while for them to do that, but uh, yeah, I mean that's you know staff training. You need them to go. A lot of camps that are setting up camp, they need people to go, and um, yeah, it, it's it. It's very funny. You almost have to push them off the diving board in that sense. Yeah. That's definitely um, one of the biggest issues that Beth asked with Beth was asked by our clients to create custom training around is permission to fail, um, willingness to fail, trying things on your own problem solving. Um, That's definitely been a lesson learned from this year is that we need to figure out some simple ways to get people comfortable with that and get people to actually trying things so that knowing that they could fail things. Well, and I'm not sure if you've watched the Jen and I just binge watched many of the seasons of billions. And, and one of the things that stands out from that show was a scene where they're interviewing um, actuaries, so math guys, and they give them math guys and girls, they give them a box that looks like it should fold up and fit together and they're like, great, put the box together and then we'll come back and deal with you. And at the end, you understand that there is no way to put the box together. Like the cuts mean zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, that's the whole thing is that you have to be willing to say, well, this doesn't make sense. And, and I, I can't do it. Right. So. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've heard, I mean, the problem solving fear failure thing has been a big theme this summer. I've heard it a lot from a lot of the camp people that we've been talking to. Um, I think one big lesson, it's not a new lesson. It's one we've said often on the Camp Hacker podcast, but one that was reinforced a lot this year is that camps need to overhire. They need to hire more people than they think, sometimes by as much as 10%. Um, And... We, if you need we, me to talk to your board about that, I'd be willing to come on for free. Go we should, uh So this is the thing I hear the um, the most from um, camp directors in this area. Uh, it's funny. Like uh, I often hear, well, I don't have the budget for that. Right. And, uh, and my reply is, what do you mean you don't have the budget for that? The person is not there. That means you have somebody filling the, the vacancy and it's, it's okay. Like yeah. that, that's how you might start overspend uh, in, in session one, quarter one, July, first two weeks. And that, but by the end of the summer, you're not overspending, you're underspending. It should balance out. You know, it's just, 
um, I really encourage people to look into budgeting properly if they're worried about the spending with it, because it, yeah, you can't get by without it. That's what I mean. See, there you go. Dan and I will spend half an hour with your board on Zoom saying yeah, yeah. that that you need to hire this much. You need to have a little flexibility in your staffing budget, um, understanding that it's going to net out over the summer as stuff leave. There is no camp I know of um, in the last two years, I think, that have had a, a complete staff stay for the whole summer as planned. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, and I think that's a big takeaway. We need to accept that as an industry, that that's going to be the case. There are lots of things we can do to make sure that the number of people leaving is less than it is at other camps. There's a lot of caring things we can do to make sure that, but I think that that's one of the biggest lessons is we need to prepare to overhire um, by as much as 10% um, going forward, sometimes even more, but it all depends on where you're drawing from, the culture of, of your camp, et cetera. But it needs to be something I think that people think about. And if you build it into your budget also, like bit by bit, mm-hmm. then because you might have more staff members at the beginning, and so there's less pressure on staff members to do the work that they're doing, chances are that your staff will also stay. And yes, you'll lose some of staff. And some of it's not because it, it's because of external reasons. It has no. nothing to do with you. Right but you're setting up your staff well in the sense that when things start to shift, they have a base that where they have, they've built some confidence. They've, they've built some of the skills and so that they're able to finish out the summer, um, not in, in such a frayed um, state, but in a way that um, was, you started off well at the beginning. Joe, you look like you had a thought. I did. I, this was the first summer in a long time where we saw so many staff not succeed because they had to stay away from home. As a residential mm-hmm. camp, um, I think, and and I think that what it means for us is that this is going to continue to happen. People who aren't prepared to spend the the time away from home. The challenge for us here at Pierce Williams is that a lot of our staff are are more local than at most residential camps, meaning that they are within a half hour or an hour's drive from home. And so they don't understand why we want them, you know, why can't I just go home every night um, (laughs) uh, during the spring or why can't, you know, you don't really need me as a, as a lifeguard at nighttime. And, and, and I'm not sure if that's a a comment on parenting and that, um, that all of the parenting, has slowly built up to this, right? Has slowly built up to the fact that we have not given our children the tools to go off and succeed on their own. And and I say that as a parent of a 16 and a 14 year old, right? The idea that um, if I sent my, because my, my son, if you can believe it, could go to university next year. Right. And is he, right, are we sending our kids at 17? Are they ready to be by themselves and do those things? Camp's like the safest place to send your kid in that sense. Um, But I was just shocked at how many people we had who um, just couldn't handle either being away from home um, or, yeah, I I didn't get it. I I don't get it. Well, that's because you're old. It's because I'm old and had four <laughs> siblings that I wanted to get away from, right? Yes. So, like, so yeah. if I and, can, and getting away from chores. Yes, I did. I did bring that up in a talk uh, just the other day. The fact that 
what camp meant to me as a kid is I didn't have to hoe that week in the yes. field. I didn't have to hoe weeds. So um, I would go to camp as much as humanly possible. Yeah. <clears throat> I did have um, a second thing. I Sorry, Dan, did you Dan, have you something about that? No, um, just, uh, you know, like if you, like if you think of the state of youth, right? Like they, they have much different lives in terms of growing up and going mm-hmm. away from home and even just like walking home from school, even just, uh, you know, getting uh, jobs after school. Like I was working at 14 yeah. and, you know, and now I'm hearing from some people at 19 is their first job. Like it, like it just blows my mind. Um, learning how to interact with people, um, you know, it just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not surprised at all by that find. Yeah. That's generational. Like, it's much different than we grew up. For it's sure. generational and it's something that we, right? One of the things that we, I've encouraged all of our staff here, our leadership team and our, our full-time staff, when something happens, when someone leaves or someone doesn't succeed at something, you need to ask yourself the question, what, what didn't we give them, right? Like what do mm-hmm. we have to change in training? Um, and there's been a couple of times where it comes down to, oh, we gave them everything. They're just an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard to say that to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no difficulty in saying it to people, but um, other people do. And uh, um, and I'm not sure if that's because it was said to me a lot when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> so maybe that makes it easier. Maybe I see it as a, a language of love. Um, <laughs> who knows? Joe, did you have something in the new, t- like new direction? Totally new direction. I, for the oh. first time in 15 years at Pierce Williams, spent a week away from camp this summer. Um, and so I, uh, I am part of something called the Outdoor Ministries Institute of Canada, which is a uh, sort of now is a United, United Church Camps across Canada, and I'm one of the co-founders. And we do camp tours, um, and we do them with uh, myself, and there's a gentleman, Matt Wynott, from Sherbrooke Lake Camp in Nova Scotia, and then uh, Joel Winship, who's the executive director of the Presbyterian uh, Church Camping Conference Association. And so this year, last year they came to Pierce Williams, and in 2019, we went to the East Coast and did 12 camps in eight days, um, (laughs) including the three United Church camps on Newfoundland and that is where the lesson this the the lesson learned was that camp people want connection right like you the 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 four of us um, have worked in a variety of different camps um, and sometimes with huge staffs and sometimes with by ourselves but what camp people want is connection we showed up on the island after a, a seven hour ferry ride um, and the first camp we went to, Camp West Haven, their entire board was there to greet us. And I thought that was unusual. It's the first time in our camp tour where an entire board has come um, to greet and meet us. Um, and they had us at a board meeting and, and it was great. Um, and then we drove on the next day to Loon Bay Camp, which is um, one of the most beautiful settings you can imagine um, on the Atlantic Ocean uh, in a bay in Loon Bay. Um, and uh, they like half of their board was there in the middle of the day just to say hello because they've never, they, they feel left out and it's hard. It's, it's important for us to remember how, how left out some camp people can feel, right? Those individuals, when, when you look on the, the summer camp pros website and you see some people post a lot, it's probably because they're sitting in their office by themselves and have no one to bounce those right. ideas yeah. off of. And um, and this is what I felt like when I was in um, on the East Coast with uh, with the Newfoundland camps, especially, was that 
They just want that connection. They want to know that somebody's there, that somebody cares. And that's really what the Outdoor Ministries Institute does, which is a, a networking. We do a, a monthly Zoom call where you can call in as a camp professional and hear um, hear guest speakers. Beth's been on for us and uh, you can hear just, you can shoot ideas and, and chat. And that's one of my big lessons learned. A, that camp doesn't end when you leave which is fun. I knew that from doing a a three month sabbatical years ago. Um, But also that um, other camps really want connection and camps do things differently in the middle of the summer. When you go to see camps in action, there were some things where I just bit my lip and didn't say anything because I was like, I would not do that. I, I was at, (laughs) I was at a camp to be unnamed and Um, we were, somebody was talking to the director and I'm standing on the hill looking out over their swimming area with people swimming in a Bay River lake. And for the life of me, I could not figure out who the lifeguard was like Mm -hmm. at all. Nobody was standing up. Nobody was where, nobody had a whistle on. Nobody, they were all sitting around. Nobody was like watching. Like, and I stood there for 10 minutes and at the end, I, I said to Matt, why not? I was like, did you, did, did you know who the lifeguard was there? <laughs> but it, it illustrates a huge point of um, sometimes when we as camp directors tell our staff to do things they don't always do, it, it's the true test is when you're not there, do they do what you say? Or as right. soon as they get around the bay, when I was at the Taylor Staten camps, as soon as they get around a cove, do they all take their life jackets off on, right. you know, for a canoe trip? Mm-hmm. But um there's a huge trust you put in them as well. Yep. Uh, or Gabs, do you have any final lessons, things you want to share? No, uh, it was a fine answer. Yeah, okay, no, I, I got it all out earlier. Yeah. Good, 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 good. Same. Same. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Right on. Well, then I am going to move us on to our tool of the week. Tool of the week. We want to thank you for um, being a part of of the show, listening to the show, watching the show on YouTube, uh, taking us with you. The tool of the week, as you probably know by now, unless you're brand new this season, uh, is something we ask our panelists to bring that helps them be a better camp director. And uh, if you go to camphacker.tv slash podcast, you can see all of our previous episodes and all the show notes, and you can see all the past tools of the week. And um, our Tool of the Week is sponsored by my personal Tool of the Week newsletter that I put out every Tuesday morning at 6.05 throughout the winter. It's about twice a month irregularly at 6.05 on a Tuesday uh, in the summer, but it is at least three tools from me and three or four things that I find interesting that are not directly camp-related. So if you want to... um, to get onto that tool of the week newsletter, get that every week, then you can go to gocamp.pro slash TOW and uh, that'll allow you to sign up for the tool of the week newsletter. So um, excited to get back to this section. It is the thing that people talk the most about, I think about our show. Um, and we have some great ones here. So uh, Dan, why don't you tell us what your tool of the week is? 
Yeah. Um, so my tool of the week is the book Adam uh, by Adam Grant called Originals. Um, and it is all about how nonconformists move the world. And so, um, you know, for me, um, uh, reading business books, uh, it's hard to get real takeaways at times. Mm. Um, uh, sometimes um, they're repetitive. Sometimes uh, you you feel like it doesn't apply to your industry. But this book was just written in a way that I feel like every person can grow from reading it. And um, one of my favorite chapters, uh, they talked about um, how uh, fools rush in, how um, uh, procrastination is not a bad thing, and how sometimes being the the first person out the gate with something is not always the best. And sometimes it's, it's good to watch a little bit before you get going with things. I know um, the camp culture I uh, was working at at Frost Valley, we always wanted to be the innovator. We always wanted to be pushing the envelope. Mm. But sometimes we had hard, uh, we would stumble trying to compare ourselves. And this was just really interesting to think about how you can still be original without, um, without uh, being the first one to do something. So it was just a really great book, uh, very introspective, and I thought it could be very applicable to anyone in the industry. Nice. Thanks, Dan. Uh, bless you. Uh, and uh, Adam Grant, who's a former keynote speaker at the Tri-State Conference, too, who's an awesome speaker. So that's a great one, Dan. Uh, and Gab. Um, my tool of the week is LunaFest. LunaFest is a film festival um, for women and about women. So all of the, uh, most of the filming and the directing producing are uh, women that um, that, that did that. And the film festival itself, um, is, is for, is for women. And, um, I, I saw Luna Fest for the first time at the women in camp summit. And I, I just thought, Oh, I'd love for my staff to see this. And we contacted Luna Fest. It cost $300. They gave us a whole bunch of Luna bars, which are like these power bars, um, that are gluten-free, which is awesome. Um, not peanut free, unfortunately, but, um, what, what an impact it had on my staff. And so I'm not necessarily suggesting to all camps to use LunaFest, but maybe to, to find something that speaks to your, to your mission that's not within your camp, um, something from the outside where other people are also, um, you know, uh, walking your walk. And so, mm-hmm. and, and to help, um, you know, guide your staff members, especially in the beginning of, of a camp, or even maybe in the middle when energy is starting to go down, uh, something like that. And of course we did like a lovely decoration and, and, and fairy lights everywhere and popcorn and they got uh, official uh, tickets and et cetera, et cetera. But the, having this little film festival hosted in our camp for our staff was uh, created some really great and beautiful conversation about what they wanted to do for our campers and what impact they could have on our campers and having something from the outside mirroring what we do on the inside at camp was really, really valuable for us this summer. That's so cool. And Gab, were they different videos, different movies than you'd seen at WIC? Yeah, completely different. And some of it, you know, one of the, you know, some of the videos aren't great, but that's actually kind of fun. They're all short yeah. videos. So that's yeah. sort of, that, that leads a commentary too. And then some of them are hilarious and others are, are tough subjects, but it's a, basically an hour and a half of, of uh, short videos and it mm-hmm. was not the same video. So it was, it was really, really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you. So my tool of the week is an app called Franz. That's F-R-A-N-Z, F-R-A-N-Z. Um, and it is an app that allows me on my computer, I wish there was such a thing on my phone. It allows me to pull all of the chat apps, including my texts, 
into one app on my computer. So when I sit at my computer, because I, in order, I just know, and this is a lesson that many of you have learned as well with your staff is that certain people like to communicate in certain ways. So you can put Slack in there, you can put um, Google Hangouts, which is how I usually chat with Joe or um, Facebook Messenger, how I usually chat with Dan. Um, I could put it all in one place. And so when I need chat with people, I just open up the app that I need to get a hold of people. Um, and it has been awesome, incredible time saver. It'll allow you to install lots of things. Like you can put your Gmail in there. You can put in lots of different sort of communication-ish or to-do-ish apps in there. But I would say save it just for your, your chat apps. Hook up your phone to it so you can put your text in there as well. Um, it is nice for me not to have to dig around to find my phone when my mom texts me in the middle of work day. Um, and it has been an incredible time saver. So if you go to, again, like all of these, if you go to camphacker.tv slash podcast, you will see this is episode 113. Um, and you will see there in the notes that you can click on how to get to the front setup. You have to get to the stuff that Gab and Dan have shared. And of course, to Joe's very cool tool of the week, the link will mm -hmm. be in there as well. Joe? Um, my tool of the week is the Internet Archive, so archive.org. And if you have spent zero time there, you should really reconsider the way you use your time and your life. Um, <laughs> I, I, first, I first came across the Internet Archive, and you might know wow. it too, for the Wayback Machine. And mm -hmm. the Wayback Machine is something I've been using for over 15 years because I remember being at the, at the Taylor Staten camps and using it to check on what our website was in 98 as we updated. Um, I'm sending you today, the link will take you to my library. So this is a, a picture of my library here. It's archive.org. If you just type in Yo-Yo Joe with an R at the end, Y-O-Y-O-J-O-E-R, I have been uploading um, the Canadian Camping Magazine. I have permission to do this from both the CCA, the Canadian Camping Association, uh, the OCA backs this project as well. I'm currently at 91 uploads. Uh, or 90, sorry, 90 texts. Um, this will become a collection at some point that's specifically Canadian camping. But uh, the benefit of this is that, uh, so Gab knows that I've actually, this helps her. How do I spell? So you can search text contents. This is awesome. So you can pull up uh, O-U-A-R-E-A-U yeah. and the Canadian camping, I've been, for years, I've been doing this project. You may or may not know about this, but mm -hmm. I started this project as early as 2001, 2002, sitting at a desk at the Taylor Staten camps. Um, and so you can literally find your camp's information or articles about your camp in um, the magazine because the archive text recognizes it as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is a, a great example to, and this was totally just the what came up, mm -hmm. um, but it is uh, archive.org. And if you type in Yo-Yo Joe R or Canadian Camping Association, you will get to this collection of magazines. Currently I'm only up to, that's a good question. 1971. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20, is that volume 24? Is that where I'm at? Um, yeah, somewhere in there, there is a, um, there is a, I just wanted to, I have 157, I want to say, um, 
So I have some more, and the, you, you can't upload them as a batch. That's the one of the big challenges. You can, it's just then you'd have to go back and edit all of the entries, and I find it easier to do one at a time. But you should, so there are a ton of, yes, you have access yeah. to most of these, but this is the full set. And I'll keep you updated because um, uh, I also have permission to go to the archives at Trent University, which hosts the Canadian Camping Archives. Um, and get some missing magazines. Um, I am still missing some, and I think that they might be lost to history at this moment in time, um, which is sad. Um, but this is a really cool tool for interest. Um, and this screen shows that these three red ones I am missing, and Trent doesn't have either. So if you know right. someone who's old and campy, <laughs> who is around in 54 and 55, <laughs> um, yeah. So I need to go to Trent and scan some things, but uh, that is going to be a couple of days off uh, for education mm -hmm. that I go and do that. But that is, um, that is my cool tool. I'm surprised that I've never shared it, but uh, not in a sense because I just started uploading these to the archive earlier this year because – up until now, there hasn't been the great um, technology hasn't come far enough to make it easy to store these on your own um, website and have it searchable as a group. And so right. this is this is for posterity. And I would think um, that all of our associations, including the ACA, I don't know if they're protecting the the. I don't think they're protecting the camping magazine, but putting it up, it's just somebody else is storing it. This is backed up how many different times. Mm -hmm. um, and we put a Creative Commons license on it so um, people can search and use it. It's good work, Joe. On behalf of the industry, thank you. You're welcome. I'll awesome. send you my bill later. Resources. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, well, thank you. It's great to be back together again. Uh, I'm uh, so so glad that you're all able to join us for another season of of the Camp Hacker Podcast from Go Camp Pro. Um, Gab, if people have follow up questions with you, how do they get in touch? Yeah, they can follow me on Instagram at Gabrielle Rail, and Rail takes two L's, or they can uh, message me on Gabs at Waro. Check out where I work at uh, Waro.com. Right on. Thank you. Dan, what's the best way to get a hold of you these days? Yep, uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Dan Loves Camp, and I'm also my email address is just dan.weir at ymcali.org. Awesome, Joe. Uh, if you really want to talk to me, you should uh, email me uh, Joe at campusbetter.com. Uh, you can look on Twitter and Facebook and. Uh, Use the Pierce Williams stuff if you want to see what we're doing at campusbetter.com, but uh, email is my preferred mode of discussion at this moment in time. Right on. And if people need to get a hold of me, I am Travis at gocamp.pro these days, which is a little different new this season. Um, so if you want to reach, we're trying to pull everything under the GoCamp Pro banner. Um, so that's why a few little changes you will have heard in this show. So it was really great to have everybody. I want to say thank you to Matt, who has been 
the Camp Hacker producer and editor for so many years. I personally am super thrilled that he's taken on a new role as executive producer of podcasting for Go Camp Pro. And he is going to help us with Camp Hacker, with Camp Code, uh, with the Day Camp Pod. And um, I think we hatched a new podcast yesterday. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, that is going to be coming up this year, which also is worth saying at any point, if anybody has ideas for Camp Hacker, again, our focus here is almost not to have a focus. We're talking about the big issues in camp, whereas Camp Code obviously focuses on staff training, Day Camp Pod focuses on day camp issues. But if you have ideas for any of our shows, please email me, Travis at gocamp.pro. Um, I am on Instagram really at Camp Hacker. It's the best way to get a hold of me on Instagram, but um, we would be open to any ideas. That's where First Class Counselors, which is a mini series that many of you listen to through the Camp Hacker feed, um, came out of people just putting up their hand. Oliver said, we really need to focus more. I'd love to hear more um, Camp Counselor focused podcasts. And that's how that started. So I think that um, First Class Counselors is going to become something bigger um, and will maybe spin off to become our fourth show, um, plus the one we hatched yesterday. So there's more coming. Um, and that's all because Matt's on board. So we want to thank Matt. Um, and you can find his show notes and all the past tools of the week, as I said, at camphacker.tv slash podcast. And thanks for the evening, friends. Take care.